Hi, this is Dan Cassetta. Welcome to Flashback Friday on Changing Lives, Selling Knives. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from people who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. Episodes feature some of Cutco's most prominent alumni and top achieving current leaders. Flashback Friday is your chance to hear a short piece of one of my favorite past episodes. We'll hand select the best nuggets to share with you in this short form. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real world concepts for business and life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's flashback. Today we are flashing back to episode number 182 with Parker Ashley a proven superstar in sales and sales management. By the age of 30, Parker was able to generate mid-eight-figure revenues as an individual contributor, build a high-performance sales team, and quickly scale massive growth at Darktrace, an industry-leading cyber AI company with over a billion-dollar valuation. Parker was named his company's Salesperson of the Year in 2019 and later advanced to reach the executive suite as VP. Parker left Darktrace in 2023 to focus his energy as founder and principal at private equity firm Coliseum Capital Group. He's also an investor and advisor with a specific focus on providing value in go-to-market strategy. He deeply understands the role that sales plays in building any business. In these short snippets from our original conversation, Parker starts by sharing why sales is such a great career. Then he gets into some of the personal skills and traits that can lead to success in sales. He also shares some powerful daily habits and routines that have helped him build and maintain a high level of success consistently in his business and in his life. He wraps up by discussing his choice of getting into sales versus choosing a career path in medicine. Parker is a lifelong learner who continually strives to find ways to support and enable others. There are literally thousands upon thousands of Cutco leaders and alumni like Parker who are changing lives all over the world through their impact and influence. What we do in this company goes far beyond selling knives, and that's the point of this podcast. You can help spread the word about this great place to work and learn by sharing this and other episodes of the podcast with people in your network. If you enjoy today's short episode, you can revisit my full conversation with Parker Ashley at episode number 182. Parker, why do you feel like sales is such a great career? Oh man, several reasons. I think I could go on for a while. I'll keep it short, but I mean, I could hit you with all the stats about, you know, I think it's something on the order of 25% of, of CEOs or, or some order of magnitude came from a sales marketing background. And many entrepreneurs come from a similar background. But I think fundamentally, sales affords you flexibility, uh, both financially and from the perspective of a career path. Uh, it gives you the flexibility to kind of control your destiny like no other career. I think it's also incredibly rewarding the opportunity to solve problems for a living effectively can be incredibly rewarding and stimulating. And uh, I think most importantly, it's so essential to gain experience in because it builds critical soft skills, such as the ability to present, speak with confidence, formulate ideas or thought around value, so on and so forth. And I think that uh, you know, no matter where you are in life and your career, 
you could always benefit. And it, it brings me to a book to sell as human by Daniel Pink, uh, which explores the concept that you know, everybody to some degree is selling something. You're convincing your friends over a certain restaurant. Yeah, you're putting on a pitch a little bit there. So no matter where you are, those skills are incredibly invaluable. What do you feel are the personal characteristics that you have brought to the table that have enabled you to have had such great success and advancement in your sales career? Uh, it's a good question. I think at the base level, my, I'm a really intensely curious person. So I love just digging down, asking tons of questions, seeking knowledge, learning. Um, I think that alone has allowed me to constantly stay on top of my game and, and just you know, never be satisfied with the answers I know at that moment. And I think that's helped me in tech specifically where I'm just naturally inclined to understand how things work to the point where I can easily explain it. And little did I know how valuable that would be in a sales profession. But I think it stemmed from, you know, when I was a kid, I was taking stuff apart, putting it back together. And I don't know, maybe I should have been an engineer, but I think that curiosity has helped me a lot. And then I think the second side to that is, is grit. I always tout that grit has really helped me see things through and, and push through to success. And I think sales, especially when you're in like a hyper growth startup environment or you're going door to door and, and you're, you're, you're by yourself, it requires some serious long-term mental fortitude. If you don't have the grit to keep moving forward, even after you've taken a few haymakers to the face, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be tough to succeed. So I think those two skills, if, if you get those right, you're, you're well ahead of the game. I've seen uh, something that you wrote about the the top 10 traits of successful mm. sales reps. You ranked them in order. In fact, I thought that was a pretty hard list to, to put into order. Uh, you, had, you certainly had curiosity and you had grit on there. Your, your top two were empathetic and coachable. Yep. Why don't you tell us, tell us a little bit about those traits and how they lead to success in sales? Yeah, I, I think, um, honestly, these are the things the, the, those traits in that order, I, I kind of feel like had helped me a lot. I happen to be better at, at some than I am in others. But I think the reason I listed them the way I did is it was what I saw, the traits that I saw in the most successful salespeople around me, both at my current organization and, and my uh, peers and different organizations. I, first and foremost, they genuinely care about the customer and their problems. They really do. And they're more than willing to go the extra mile to kind of understand that customer and try to kind of live a day in their shoes, if it were, to really understand the problem that they need to help solve for, for that client. And I also think from a, from a coachable perspective, that that same person is also will, willing to be a little bit more introspective. And, and they're willing to admit when they don't know what they're doing enough to take feedback and direction necessary to master the skills required to, to go back and help that customer. So I almost mm -hmm. think the two are, are related in a way. Um, and, then, and then finally, um, like I mentioned before, they're, they're curious enough to ask questions about their product, to their mentors, to their leaders, and to the customer for purposes of, of diagnostics. And all of these things, I, I, to me, are, are kind of interwoven. And I see time and time again, a rep that gets those three things down, they're typically already several steps ahead uh, of the rest of the pack. And then the rest is all just skill building. But those are harder skills, I think, to build. And they're more of a, a mentality than anything else. And there's a, a book called uh, Extreme Ownership by a couple of Navy Seas, Jocko and, and Leaf. And it's really a leadership book. Uh, it's a fantastic one at that. But really, 
the lesson learned there is you could free up so much mental space to grow and learn by just owning the things that you either control or should control or, or the things that are at your fault. Uh, just owning it, just moving beyond it. Hey, that's, that's on me, but I, let me learn. Let me open up and understand where I could solve and look for solutions to improve. And I think that decision to think in that way it is paramount to somebody developing in their career and, and, and uh, their maturity. Yeah, exactly. Do you have daily habits and routines that you follow that have helped you be successful? Yeah, 100%. I'm constantly evolving this to fit my situation and goals, but this is a non-negotiable for me and it has become one over the last few years. And in fact, one of the most valuable tools uh, that I've added to my arsenal, and that's my morning routine. And it actually started after reading uh, Miracle Morning by, uh, I believe, another cut column, Hal Elrod, if you know. So uh, he coined, yeah, if, if, I think everybody uh, listening to this podcast or most should, should know who Hal Elrod is. If you don't, uh, uh, please go look him up. But he, co- he coined the term uh, savers, which is silence, affirmations, vision, exercise, reading, scribing. And um, I, I work against that to some level. Uh, every morning, I, I know that if I win my morning mentally, I've already started uh, winning my day. I'm already ahead of the game. And no matter what happens in the chaos and the throes of the day ahead, I'm on my page from the start. And so I typically, I'll, you know, I'll wake up at, at 5.45, 6. I'm not one of those like 4 a.m., 5 a.m. people. Like, I can't do it. Uh, but 5.45, 6 serves plenty fine for my purposes. Uh, I immediately get moving, break a sweat for 20 minutes. Uh, anything that I can do to, to kind of get active. Uh, then I do a little bit of mobility and stretching, meditation, uh, affirmations, super important. Starting with some gratitude, getting your mindset in a positive place, doing some affirmations and vision setting. Uh, reminding yourself on where the long term is three, five years ahead and what you're going to do that day, the three to five things that are really, really important for you to do that day to make those goals a reality. And then I always read. I have to read in the morning. Uh, it gets me thinking in the right way. Uh, and I, I love to read. And then from there, I'll go ahead and I'll review my plan for the day, which I typically lined up the night before, and I'll get moving. But I think the, the greatest thing in there and, and something I, I candidly didn't start doing in probably six months ago is I don't check email and ideally my phone for at least the first hour after I wake up. Hmm. And the reason being, I, I noticed that if I start my day and immediately open up my email, I'm allowing an external force to grab a hold of my mental state before I can. And that is unacceptable to me. And so if I can avoid that, then at least I control my mental output for that day. And then I can deal with whatever problems are waiting in my inbox. It was very transformative for me when I made that realization. Anything could disrupt your day. It could be bad news. It could be something going on in, in the world. And it's helpful to... I block 30 minutes on my calendar, typically for lunch uh, every day. But I'll use that to exercise or meditate or just reset and flush my brain from things that may have come in and, and are swirling around and, and try to kind of recenter because to your point, anything could disrupt that flow. And uh, it's important that you find that center again really quickly. That's powerful. It's interesting that your choice of sales versus uh, getting into medicine, that if uh, a flashpoint for that was considering the $250,000 incursion of debt, right? <laughs> um, and instead, instead, you quickly received a five-digit paycheck on the, you know, the other side of the coin. Uh, 
and I'm sure have had many more since then. And uh, it's a, there's a big difference between a bunch of five digit paychecks and a, a statement that shows, you know, six digits of debt or more. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> oh yeah. And, and I mean, and for me, it was about, I think it comes down to the curiosity bit and, and taking actions in different directions and, and trying to understand passions. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think anybody can be passionate about what they're really good at. And I think you find a passion in the things that you, you like. And I loved the science of medicine and I loved the, the STEM and, and, and all the research and biology. And I really liked that. I knew I didn't like the industry. And uh, to put it on top of that, then you've got this huge debt bubble that you've got to break. And uh, then the moment I, I looked the other direction, I'm like, okay, well, hey, if I'm not going to be a doctor, I better find a pretty viable solution elsewhere. And I knew from my experience at Cutco that, you know what, I could make my own luck. I don't have to just take any, any job that will pay me anything. I could go and make my own income if I choose this route and I just double down. And man, that, that, I, I'll be honest, it panned out in a really positive way. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's flashback episode of Changing Lives Selling Knives, you can find the full episode and show notes at changinglivespodcast.com. You can also sign up there to receive free resources from me and some of our amazing guests. Please consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player and hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. This is Dan Cassetta signing off We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.